Let's get sweaty. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Shenmue Dojo Show. Today we're going to be recapping and discussing episode 8 of the Shenmue animation, Aspiration. You know who I am by now, Skill Gym of course, and I'm joined as ever by the ever-aspiring Matthew Oliver. How's it going Matt? Very well put together, all good man, you? All good myself, I'm doing well. We've got a fun song lined up for later in the show, everyone's favourite part at this point. As of recording, we've got less than two days remaining on issue two of Shemu World. So by the time you hear this, it's going to have finished. So I just want to thank you again for all your support there. I hope you managed to grab a copy while you can. I'm also buzzing from another fantastic episode of the anime. What a time to be alive as a Shemu fan. I think we're spoiled rotten lately, everything that's going on. We've also got huge news coming out of Japan for all of you Shemu merch hunters out there. Oh, and if you yes. can get yourself across to Japan for a bit of a Dobrita street pilgrimage, we're going to be talking about what you could discover there later in the news section as well. So plenty of stuff to look forward to. But first, Matt, it wouldn't be an episode tradition without a lightning fast recap of the previous anime episode. Take it away. Whoa, how am I going to do this in a few minutes? So... <laughs> <laughs> Last week was episode seven, Future, and it opened immediately from the end of the previous episode where Rio finds out who uh, Master Li Xiaotao is who, and who Zhuang is. Um, he's astounded by this and almost doesn't believe it and is invited to spar with her by Han Hui. However, Rio is no match for her and very quickly gets overwhelmed and she puts him into a pressure point um, situation, basically saying... If I want to kill you, I could. And it's exactly the same in the games as well. So it sort of sits there quite nicely. And then she basically tells him to go home. She's not going to help him. And then you get your credits, your opening scene, standard stuff. It then cuts to Rio leaving the temple, uh, Manmo Temple, and you see Fang Mei for the first time. Uh, she has a very much an anime-type character, very bubbly is the way I talk. Yeah, say yeah she agree. is. Um, Han Hui comes out and tells her to get back to work and she runs off saying I'm sure you'll be back and Rio's like yeah I doubt it he's not particularly happy about it Han Hui asks how it was sparring and he said he felt like an open book uh, Han Hui says maybe Rio you haven't considered that the quickest way to your destination is not necessarily a straight line and that he should go and start thinking about the wood so we then sort of move off before we do that to a very quick flashback where Han Hui also is accused Rio of judging Li Xiaotao by her appearance rather than seeing strength within. So it all fits into the wood. So he then says, go to Guang Martial Arts School, which Rio goes and does, and very promptly nearly gets his head chopped off um, by the guy <laughs> with the swords and is then invited in to speak to the master. Uh, Rio goes in there and speaks to him and basically says, do you know the wood? He said, I do, but I'm not qualified to tell you as I ruined a man's life. It then cuts over to a very short scene with Rio asking for a, a, a randomer in the street where probably where martial artists are. And Joy calls over to him and they have a conversation. She asks him to go out around town. He says, no, I'm looking for martial artists. Do you know any? She's like, 
not sure. I'll wait. There's a guy performing at the Golden Shopping Centre. So Rio heads over there, opens up with the shopping centre shot. Uh, it looks like the games. And he finds our homeless guy, Zong Juan. And Rio instantly has to smash a rock. But before that, he wants his nice, cold San Miguel beer. That's probably <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning by this point. Or sun. Or sun Miguel, Miguel as it was in the, game, in, in the <laughs> yeah. anime. So Rio is then invited to chop the rock in half, which he successfully does. Zong Juan's quite surprised by this. And Rio says, I'm looking for someone who's looking for that, who understands Woot. He says, that's not me. I, I don't do that anymore. He mentions Zoshan, the, marsh, the master at the Grand Martial Arts Hall. And Zong Kong looks a little bit surprised by this and says, no, not getting involved. Gives Rio his cut and sort of sods off, basically. Not, <laughs> not looking to help. Yeah. Cuts, to, cuts to a very short scene here where Ren throws his knife at Joy uh, while she's on her bike. She says, well, it's not a nice way to ask somebody out on the date. They have a bit of a laugh about it. And Ren starts asking about um, Rio and he's interested in him. And Joy then says, well, he's going to the Golden Shopping Centre. You can see him there. And Ren heads off on his way. Cuts back to the Guang Martial Arts Hall where Rio is talking to the master again and was talking about Zong Kuang. And at this point, the master opens up and says, well, he was a student of mine. Um, however, he started showing moves off thoughtlessly, so I banished him. And Rio's like, oh, okay, so this sort of starts linking up a little bit as to why he's not qualified to talk about the wound at this point. Goes back to the shopping centre, and Zong Kuang isn't there. Rio's looking for him. And Rio then gets intercepted by some yellowheads who are also looking for Zong Kuang to pay protection money. And they say they let Rio off easy if he pays him, but he says no. They have a fight. Rio sort of starts taking them out relatively easily. Zong Kuang comes out of the toilets having relieved himself and sees, sees the fight <laughs> going on, grabs Rio and says, we're not getting involved in this. It's time to run. Knocks one of them down with his big sort of purple bag that he's got, which we know is loaded with books. So he's probably killed some guy mm. and they run off. And then as they're running, there's a still as Rio runs past Ren, which is a beautiful shot. Fantastic shot. Looks really, really cool. Mm-hmm. It then cuts to a very short scene at Mammo Temple with Zhuing reading a book and you get the flashback of her brother leaving to go and obviously avenge their parents. Or the legs of him. Or the legs of him, but we know who he is. Yeah. And yeah, it's there for two, three seconds, and then Fang Mei approaches saying, I've done done the chores, and I've also cleaned your room as well, to which Ewing looks a bit surprised by that. It cuts back to the shopping centre where the police are investigating what's happened, and Ren's obviously Miss Rio and God damn, and sort of leaves and runs off. You then go to Pigeon Park and Rio and Zong Kuang are talking and Rio's going, well, why didn't we take these guys out? They weren't very strong. And Zong Kuang's like, well, I didn't want the hassle. And Rio then sort of goes, you, you know, you were at the Guang Martial Arts School. What you know, what happened? And Zong Kuang says, oh, yeah, the master kicked me out. And Rio said, well, actually, the master sort of blames himself for the way it all happened. And Zong Kuang doesn't quite believe him. He then opens up his purple bag and starts selling these old books and Rio looks on in amazement. You then cut to uh, come over guest house. Rio asks for his key. The the guy on the reception goes, right, I need you to start paying me from tomorrow. No one paid him in Shenmue too, so clearly he wants his money this time. And it then cuts to the room where Rio is looking at his wallet and there doesn't seem to be much in it, which I found rather ironic as he looked to have kept his money after having his bag nicked in the anime, but Hey ho, is what He's it is. Been buying capsule toys in between. Yeah, the capsules everywhere, and all the rest <laughs> of it. There's uh, a knock at the window, and Joy says, "Do you want to come out for a bite to eat?" Rio obliges for the first time ever. 
he obliges to go out with a woman. As long as she's paying. <laughs> as long as she's paying, yeah. Cuts to a uh, scene where Rhea and Joy are having food and they're just chatting away. And Joy basically says, oh, you attract all the knuckleheads in, in Hong Kong. And Rhea's like, is that a compliment or is that an insult? She's like, both. And she then, <laughs> she then says, a, a cat doesn't always show its claws. Um, I've probably abbreviated that a bit, but you get the general gist. And Rhea sort of sets there muttering it to himself. All of a sudden, he slams his head on like his head, slams his fist on the table. He's like, I get it now. I get it. Slams his money down, runs off. Just leaves her. Leaves her hanging. And Joy's like, oh, I can't believe you know, it. Always happens to me. Guys will never hit on me in Hong Kong. And she sort of smiles to herself. You then go back to the Golden Shopping Centre and there's more yellowheads sat there harassing Zongquang. And these are the exact yellowheads that are in the game. Uh, Joe Kitchen did a really good image of this. Um, it was in the last show, um, if you haven't seen it, so make sure you check that out. Zongquang sort of flips up and starts fighting these guys off. Rio turns up and basically shouts stop and says, look, a cat doesn't show its claws. You don't need to show off. You don't need to fight these guys. And it all sort of stops, and the leader, gets, they laugh about it and go, oh, we're just horsing around, it's fine. And then it cuts to a very quick scene where Zong Kwang gives Rio the letter, uh, which he then hands over to the master, the, a, the Guang Martial Arts Hall. And he then recites the letter. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but he then goes, oh, that's then the next wood. So the wood is G. It's basically you don't show off, moves thought, thoughtlessly, essentially. And he says that Zongquan is still following the path of a martial arts martial artist. Um, however, he's obviously no longer at the um, school. Cuts to a scene in Mammo Temple where Rio recites the uh, the wood he has learned to zhuing and asks if that was what she wanted uh, because he was lacking it. She said yes, but it's not the only thing that is stopping um, her helping him. And then she says, "Follow me." And then cuts over to the uh, Yantin apartments of Zhuing's room. Rio is invited to stay by Zhuing and, and introduces herself by her proper name, Zhuing Hong, which Rio acknowledges as Master Zhuing. Outside, Han Hui and Fang Mei have heard, and Fang Mei is really pleased with herself that she actually cleaned the room. And then the last scene is a quick shot of Bailu Village with Shenhua looking up at the stars. And it cuts to a close-up of her face and the stars glisten in her eyes and the show ends. Fantastic stuff, man. And that leads us straight into the latest episode entitled Aspiration. And here is the synopsis for that. So Ryo is now living at Xuing Hong's house. Xuing ignores Ryo's wish to meet Yuan De Zhu and keeps making him do the chores for Mamo Temple. To understand Xuing's notion, Ryo must learn Wood Wudu. The principles of martial arts. With the help of Joy and Wong, he looks for a person who has acquired Wudu. So, kind of covers some of the aspects that are in that episode anyway, that synopsis. But Matt, what are your initial thoughts after watching this particular episode? I thought it was very, very good. Um, very much like the last episode in that it's very Shenmue. You've got a lot of investigation, wandering around, talking to people. But you also, I know it kept the story wheel moving and it kept it moving at a nice pace. It feels slower, by all means. But at the same time, I know it, it, it's moving nicely. We've got some extra characterization of Zhuing and, and Fang Mei. Um, Zhuing is fast becoming one of my favorite characters in, in this um, sort of stint of the anime. They've, they've really done a good job with her. But overall, man, I'm, I'm really impressed with this episode. Six is still my favorite, but by far, I, I, and it stands out for me. 
But again, this is this is hitting hitting that bar nicely. I'm really pleased. Good episode. Yeah, I'm not sure what my fi- my favorite episode is really so far. Six was good, just because it was like that introduction to to Shemu Two, and seeing obviously the anime's take on that was quite exciting. But overall, this particular episode really it kind of surprised me. For obviously those first six episodes we had were like really fast paced. I know we spoke about this quite a lot, but you know the, the Shenmue One stuff just seemed like a whirlwind. Yeah, definitely. And moving into obviously the Hong Kong episodes, the first episode of Hong Kong seemed like a whirlwind to me, and then the last two, like you say, very Shenmue-esque, very more laid back, a little bit slower, more down to earth. We're getting episodes dedicated to one particular theme. Like last episode was the homeless guy the street performer mm. mainly around that sort of aspect with little bits here and there like obviously seeing ren for kind of the first time and seeing his interactions which surprisingly we don't actually see ren in this whole episode today so i'm not sure where ren's at, at the moment and um, that's quite an interesting thought really and um, he's obviously going to bump into him at some point possibly the episode after this one yeah possibly but today's focus was kind of like centered around you know, finding a martial artist for the next wood, which we're going to get into in a moment. But I just think that the pacing of these particular last two episodes is how I would like if, obviously, the, the anime series could have been a 24-episode show mm. run. I would have liked this to have been the style of each episode because they kind of went into directions that aren't even in the games. You know, you're seeing characters interacting with each other over here and, and just scenes and stuff like that adding additional context that, to be fair, as as players playing the games, us seeing those are kind of what we want to see because it's like new material, it's like new stuff happening on top of what we already know. Uh, I just think the, they've, they've done a really good job, actually, with these last two episodes in fleshing out some, I don't want to say minor aspects of the games because they're still kind of major. Obviously, learning the voodoo is quite a major thing, but you can get the full voodoo wrapped up halfway through this too, right? Yeah. yeah, essentially. Yeah. So we're still not quite halfway through this two in a sense, even though we're seeing some glimpses of of things that happen a little bit later, kind of thing. But uh, overall, yeah, again for me, another great episode. I'm I'm looking forward to like sort of binging them when they're all out. So yes. I might bin, binge. I mean, if I could, I'd love to binge the whole season just from start to finish, sit down, maybe get rid of the intro and outros and just have like a big four-hour binge yeah. or however it's going to be. But then you could also do the same with like a Shemu 1 binge and then the Shemu 2 binge. I think that's going to be quite interesting to see how the pacing feels in that sort of context. We're going to have a quick break before we start discussing this particular episode. Picked out some fitting pieces of music relating to this particular episode. And the first one is called A Gaze of Elegance.
Welcome back. That was A Gaze of Elegance. It's kind of like Shuing's theme, actually, that from the Shemu 2 soundtrack or the Shemu 1 and 2 OST that you can find on Spotify and other places. So go check that out. We're going to jump straight into episode 8 today, recapping and breaking it down. So, and I will preface this actually, we've had notes kind of like half produced by Spags Spaghetti, who might be familiar if you visit the Shemu Dojo forums quite often. And also half of them have been done by Aravale or Hannah, who um, has kindly offered to pick up where Spags left off and flesh out the notes a little bit more. So we kind of start the episode. It's quite cool, actually. Quite surprising Mm, again. I like this. I like this. With a nightmare of Rio. You don't actually know it's a nightmare. I suppose you do because it's got the sort of like the flashback sort of outer glow on the shots. But you're seeing Landy in Chenfoir. So it's obviously happening in Guilin. It's that kind of like that. She's at the edge of the cliff. And it's literally a shot for shot of the bad ending of Shemu 2. So Landy's holding the Phoenix mirror. And if you note the previous nightmare, I think you mentioned, even though it looked like it was this bad ending previously that they used, that was with the dragon mirror, which was unusual because he's not normally supposed to be holding the dragon. Hang on, is he? Have they got? Is he? Spags yeah. has got the the wrong way around, hasn't he? In the first, in the first one, they did this. He was he he was holding. I think it was episode four, three. He was holding the dragon mirror, but the exact yeah. same sort of shot shot thing. Yes, sorry, I have got it right. Yeah. So then, in the previous yeah. nightmare, it was the dragon. Yeah. And this is the phoenix, and this yeah, is the exactly. one that he's holding actually in the Shemutu nightmare. That's it. Yeah. Spot on. So that was crazy to see that, and obviously that just adds a little bit of. Um, a bit of a reasoning behind Rio's task, I suppose. This is what has the potential to happen. It's a very clever use of the bad ending, isn't it? Because let's let's be honest, how many people actually sit in the games long enough to get to the bad ending? Not very I think much. everyone's watched it on YouTube, aren't yeah. they, really? Well, yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly. It's, it's, it's not the sort of thing that a casual player will see um, or somebody who's played the games a little bit and then sort of gone into the anime or vice versa. It's a very clever use of, of a scene that isn't widely seen through the players. I, I think it's great. And it's it's one for one, isn't it? To, to the bad ending in Shenmue 2. It's spot on apart from that line that I'll take your power for the Chiyo men or whatever he says. Yeah, he doesn't say anything in the anime. Which I suppose would probably confuse people if he said that line. Because mm, yeah, like say, possibly. It's, it's just a nightmare and no one really knows what would be going on about there. If that's really happening. But yeah, Rio awakes at the Daiyuan apartments. That's where he's staying now. And obviously that, at that point you realise it was a, a nightmare. Fang Mei enters the room, introduces herself, a lot like the game where she's holding the laundry basket. You know, Every morning she comes and wakes Rio up in Shuing's room, the, the Daiwan apartments. She asks if she was right and Rio looks confused, which then leads to a flashback to when she told him that they'd see each other around. Yeah, and right. yeah, she then tells Rio a message that she's received from Shuing to go to the temple right away. So doesn't actually say if Rio actually understood what she meant, but obviously we get the context there with the flashback. And then this switches to a scene in Mamo Temple's library where Rio is given the task of airing out the temple's books by Shuing. So Rio is quite impatient at this point of the story. He's, he's still quite demanding to meet Yuanda Zhu. You know, that's his, his kind of goal at the moment. And Shuing refuses to tell him. She tells Rio that she's only allowing him to stay as a favour to Master Chen and that he should consider this his way of paying for his rent. 
So while piling the books, Fangley interrupts, interrupts and causes Ryo to slip on the ladder, which is quite funny. It made us laugh at the mm-hmm. time because it's kind of like, obviously, if you fail the QT while you're airing out the books, obviously Ryo comically sort of falls over and drops all the books. And, you know, you get one of the, the workers there, the servant guys saying like, oh, be careful because, you know, there's those are super valuable books and you're just chucking around carelessly. And this time around, it's actually Fang Mei that says the similar thing. The books luckily survived the fall, but obviously Fang Mei scolds Rio for being quite careless. And I think that's that's kind of just been added in there as not an Easter egg of sorts, but just like a little throwback to Shemu fans who have, uh, yeah. remember that from the game. Yeah, definitely. It works really well. Um, it's quite funny. It made us laugh, didn't it, on stream? Mm-hmm. So the titles are the same. I don't think they're going to change at this point. But that blooming song is catching buy it off of Amazon or God knows where. It's only a pound. <laughs> um, doing my little plug there. So Joy then visits the come over guest house and she's looking for Rio. But you, before you see her, you get this shot of the plane uh, going Amazing. across the sky, um, which obviously you can see in Shenmue 2 as you walk up um, some steps in Wiseman Quarter. But again, the fact they're doing that sort of thing, it's just attention to detail. It looks really good. And it's not really attention to detail from the game because it's actually a thing back in the day because the, yeah, the airport was. was so close. So it, mm. it just, you know, it's, it is detail in a sense as well. Yeah, it's, it was quite common back then to have really low flying aircraft. So it's just just accurate. It's, it's amazing they've done this sort of thing. And it just you see this through the anime as a whole, in fairness. Yeah. So... Joy discovers that Rio has checked out after paying his bill. Now, I have one issue with this. Rio has paid his bill. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's Joy in the notebook. I know you probably know this, Matt, but like further in the game, after you've beaten all of the street fights and Rio's got plenty of money in his wallet at that time, yeah. you don't notice it being removed, but it does say that Joy spent some of Rio's money or whatever and paid off the yeah. coin of the guest house. It's kind of like an Easter egg if you read the notebook. It's and some funny. players might have been like, "Hey, up! What's going on? Why am I like? Why am I two grand shorter?" I, I never noticed particularly. But, no, I never did. In fact, yeah. it never added up to much. But exactly, and you don't use your money again once you hit Guilin, do you? So if you had got fourteen grand, you never think about where's my money gone because you haven't had to use it in Guilin. Exactly. So it's quite quite a good, even back then. I mean that that's a crazy thing to even remember to have as a game mechanic it, you know at that point in the game you've got so much money that you're not even gonna need you know it's <laughs> it's enough whatever the bill is i mean i don't understand actually what if this is i'm just throwing this out there as a question but what if how many days i bet they worked out specifically so even if you're at the day before the bad ending you complete the game the day before the bad ending for example mm-hmm. i reckon they worked out that what however much money you won from the Chunyan fight or whatever the last fight is, you've still got enough to pay the come over guest house. <laughs> yeah, they probably, probably <laughs> it wouldn't have, surprise me, mate. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. Probably have. It's quite. It's something very much that I think they would go and do. Um, yeah. But yeah, Rio hasn't snuck out hugging the wall. He's actually legitimately <laughs> paid his bill here, um, which is great. Joy seems a bit miffed by this, and then it cuts the scene where you're airing out the books. So you don't actually see Rio carrying them too much at this point. I mean, fair enough, he's just fallen over. Uh, they set all the books out to air. They're open on this table. Uh, Rio complains about the task, saying basically hasn't got time for it. And Fang Mei gets really defensive of you and reminds him to be grateful that he's got a place to stay. And I think fair mm. play, Fang Mei. She's got a lot more, she's more bubbly, but more so more straightforward, straight talking here in the anime. I think it works well, um, but it's very. It's different to, I think, where she sort of 
is besotted by Rio in the game. Here, she's a bit unsure of him, certainly at this point. She then says to him, you need to be back by three o'clock to put the books away. Rio agrees, and that's fine. Han Hui then reminds Rio he's just to learn all the wood, and that Zhuang is trying to help guide him with these chores. And we see a quick sort of repetition of the two Wu, Gon and Ji. And with that in mind, Rio then goes off to search for another martial artist. Yeah, I, th- I think this this works really well, actually, with the, the little flashbacks of the Gon and G, you know, making him real, show the importance of him uh, achieving these wood as well. Uh, I thought that, that worked out well. And we did throw this question out there, but I don't know if anyone listening to this podcast can shed a bit of light, but is there some significance to airing our books? Like, you know, obviously they're really old, but the way he, he opens the books on the, the desk there, what's that actually doing? Is it the air? Obviously the air is airing them out, but... I, I, I think in chat, I, I can't remember who said it when we were streaming, uh, but someone said it's due to the humidity in Hong Kong at the time, so they uh, need to get the okay, stuff so out. Okay, so it's specific to Hong Kong or yeah, you know, a country with that humidity. Yeah, to that area that they, they have to do things like that, um, right. which okay. I, I never knew, so that's, I learned something there. Yeah, that's interesting because I was thinking like perhaps any old books that someone owns, perhaps it, obviously now it's not necessarily as necessary in England to do that kind of thing, no. for example. But I was no. thinking maybe maybe I'm wrecking my books by not airing them out. But then it, I also questioned like, well, what if it just suddenly started raining? And you're, well, yeah, you know, in this country, yeah. you'd, be, you'd have had it, wouldn't you? You just sat on the toilet having a poo and it started raining. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so he cuts to the next scene. Uh, Rio um, is running down the street. He sort of had an idea and bumps into Guixang. And on this is on the street of Hong Kong. So it's a new scene. She's carrying yeah. around something sort of wrapped in cloth, which Rio somehow managed to sort of catch what he's hitting the ground while he's like sent her flying. Impressive work. Mm. Um, Must be using and- the first two Woody he learned. Must be. I don't know. He's always got like Matrix style reactions because that was fairly <laughs> like fairly like smooth how he did it. Um, and then she makes him help her out as penance for, for being careless, which is fair enough. I wonder as well, is this, because obviously the, everything's wrapped in this purple cloth in it. The mm, last yes. episode, the, mm, the street performer of books. Yeah. And I wonder if that is like something that we don't know about, like a detail from Hong Kong as well. That G- at this common. point, at yeah. this point, it wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't. So any, if anybody knows is listening to this, chuck it in the comments for us. Yeah. So we then cut to another new scene, which is in a Hong Kong tea shop. And Rio and Guixang arrive at the tea shop where it's revealed that she's donating the tea set to the owner. Uh, Rio asks about their value. And Guixang tells him that their worth is in the eye of the beholder and relates that as a metaphor about Hong Kong before leaving. And I think it's quite poignant. You see quite a lot of shots through the Hong Kong stage of this anime, quite run down buildings, run down areas. So, again, I think it's like judging things by their appearance, which Rio obviously keeps doing and keeps failing at miserably. I think mm. it's just another addition to that context, and it's um, very clever how they've put that together, I think. And do you think the donation side of things, is that, again, saying, like, so obviously it's quite a... Is it a poor city? Is that what you kind of say? Like, buildings um, are run down and stuff, and... You know, she's kind of doing her part by donating a tea set for the owner. Or I, I, I honestly don't know. In the eighties, I mean, there, I'm sure there are areas of Hong Kong that were particularly run down. I mean, Kowloon was, as an example. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah, for sure. Really run yeah. down. 
Um, I do think some parts of Hong Kong were quite affluent at the time, but I do think it went through a massive regeneration project like in the 80s and 90s, and then it handed over to China as well in the, in the mid-90s. So I think there's probably something to do with it there. Because mm. so, I think nowadays, from what I've heard, it's quite a, uh, not a modernish city, but a lot more, I don't say a rich kind of area, but I think, area, it's, but I it's, think it, it has got that kind of aspect about it. I think in days. some areas it definitely does. I do think there's probably other areas that that, that don't, but mm. they they have played up. I think some of the rundown bits here, um, and I think it's very deliberate actually the way they've done it. But it works really nicely. It works really well. And it, again, it's just sort of seeing beauty in the, in the eye of the beholder at the end of the day. That actually there's more to something than meets the eye. You could be in a rundown building, but you don't know who's living there. You don't know, you know the characters that are living there and all sorts. So I think it's quite quite apt that they've they've done that here yeah and also just seeing these teacups and stuff i don't know if that that's kind of like a um oh what's that word that they use where it's like a, a mick a mcguffney no not was it uh do you know what i'm trying to say where it's like a prop that they've shown that they're going to use later what's that yeah. called? yeah oh a mick mick something i can't think of it now i can't think of it gone anyway (laughs) yeah but you think they might be just showing that kind of the the tea set so that like next episode or whatever when they get into the chow and science stuff it triggers a thing like rio's like oh that guy's got teacups you know that kind of thing they could easily do that easily do that yeah i see what you say it's almost like preempting what's going to happen yeah because she's donated a tea set it's like he's he's gonna use this cut mentality thing and associate it with this shop or associate it with that old lady, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So it could I could see that happening actually could work. Um and then the last little bit of this scene is that the tea shop owner treats Rio to a cup of tea for helping Guixang and Rio's then sort of sat staring into what looks like quite a inviting tea and I don't like mm. tea. So I'm quite impressed by that. Do you like green tea? I don't like any teas. I'm weird. Really? Oh, I yeah. just had a cup of tea myself. I'm, I'm not, not green tea. I just had English tea, but yeah. Anyway. Not have anyway. a cup of tea. I am more of a coffee fan, but I do love my tea as well. But that moves us quickly into Wong, who spots Joy on the street and tries to snatch her purse. But she's wise to it and catches him before he even gets close. I was thinking like at the time, like, why is Wong? Does he not know this is Joy or is he just doing it as a laugh? But seems like he was doing it for laugh because she mocks him with the help me mister routine which wong reveals only ever worked on rio joy asks if he's seen rio after learning that he's checked out of the hotel and wong offers to help but for a price mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just after money all the time any wong he is and joy's like you what <laughs> yeah which then leads to like a nice scene actually which is kind of what i was saying now this the showing glimpses into other character interacting with each other. But we've got a scene of Fang Mei and Shuing now discussing Rio. So Fang Mei's airing the laundry when Shuing appears dressed casually to leave the, the temple. And they start to chat about Rio. And Fang Mei reveals that she had to help with his chores and seems to have a low impression of him. While Shuing reminds her that Rio needs guidance. And then the pair head out into Hong Kong. Mm, anything else to add about that scene, Matt? Before we move on. The only sort of funny thing I had about that that scene was where, where Fang Mei turns around and she says, I'm going to whip his butt into shape. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. quite funny. Uh, again, she's a, a bit more bubbly up front. She's not, I think they're balancing because obviously when you've got Joy, 
Jiuing and Fang Mei. You've got, and what is a common theme here, you've got sort of three very strong female characters here bouncing yeah. off each other and sort of having different traits, sort of putting them together. I, I do like think almost some of them carry very similar traits to what the Nozomi had earlier on. So they've almost like taken bits and pieces and put them together. And I think Jiuing's portrayed beautifully in, in the anime, actually. I'm really, yeah, really I agree with that. Fang Mei's kind of been added for the, the comedy sort of character. Mm. So obviously in the game, she and she's still by it, but she has a lot more affection towards Ryo, like even when yes. he is making mistakes like this. Whereas, you know, they've got the impression of her here that she's uh, a bit annoyed that she's had to help him, at least at this moment. Anyway. She's much, much less tolerant of him, I think, at yeah. this point. But that could change, I suppose, as she gets to know him. But anyway, that moves us on to Joy and Wong again, catching up with Ryo. So Ryo hears Wong doing his help me Mr. routine as a joke. And then Ryo remarks that it only works once, which was quite cool, actually, because I think Wong comes running up behind him in tea as though he he's going to steal his wallet or whatever again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then Joy comments that Ryo is getting used to Hong Kong if he's not falling for scams like Wong's anymore. And then prompted by them asking where he's been, Rio reveals he's been staying with someone and that he's currently looking for martial artists, which causes Joy to mock his single-mindedness. I suppose Joy's a bit might be a bit offended offended at the moment as well. Yeah, he's not, she, obviously not staying at the Come Over Guest House anymore. And... She gave him a bit of a funny look, didn't she? Almost like a, who are you staying with look? Yeah, 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 exactly. And then Wong reveals he's seen a martial artist in Pigeon Park, which again, this has me thinking now, what actually did this achieve? Obviously, we'll get to it in a moment. You take these next couple, man, and then we'll have a little discussion about like what this the the point of this was, whether yeah. it was just fan service or did it yeah, actually move right. the narrative? Because I don't think it did. I thought it was clever how they did this in terms of fan service, because as you say, I don't think it moved the narrative so much. I think it checked some boxes in terms mm. of the steps to moving the narrative. Yeah. But we get to Pigeon Park and we see a lady practicing martial arts. This lady, believe it or not, is Eileen Idlevice, who, for anybody who's played the games a lot, you need to talk to her to get part, get to the, the duck racing. But quite, quite honestly, when I say this, you can go through the whole game and not talk to her. To be honest, I think it's harder to find her than it is to yeah. bump into her. I would agree with that, actually. And I'm sure in my first playthrough, I didn't speak to her very much, if at all. And it was only yeah. through playing it again, did I? And reading a guide or something like that, because yeah. you don't you don't know that she's no. just practicing martial arts in the middle of Pigeon Park. She's it's like, there, isn't she doing it? Yeah. And I just I like this is amazing. They've done this sort of stuff. Yeah. So Eileen can tell that Rio is a martial artist and asks to spar, which she does in in um, the game. Actually, their first interaction, she asks him, and he declines, and he declines here as well. But she doesn't take no for an answer. Whereas obviously in the game, she sort of apologizes for being up front. And then when you, you go through later on, you do the um you, you start getting the medals, you obviously fight her uh, to get yeah. one of the medals. Yeah, yeah. Um but here she she spars with him, sort of almost forcibly takes takes it upon herself to do so. And Rio sort of you know, dodges, gets out of the grabs way and her leg, doesn't he? Yeah. grabs her leg and sort of holds it there. Looks like she was about to do the swallow dive, actually. Yeah, well she didn't shout it, so <laughs> Don't very anime that is to shout moves. Are they doing Dragon Ball Z like Kami Hami Ha and stuff like that and all that sort <laughs> nice, of stuff? Nice, nice, yeah. Um, Wong teases Joy about taking Rio off the market. She's not happy about this and grabs him by the cheek. He's like, nope, mm. not having that. Eileen doesn't know about the woo, but she also comments that Rio is quite good 
and she has a friend who might do. Now, this 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 next bit got me. Um, that this I love massive it. fan service, isn't it? Yeah, big big fan service here. So you meet Izumi. Now you go to a convenience store, but now my only disappointment is this wasn't tomato. I don't know why. I whether don't know why any mm. issue licensing or God knows what. Does make you wonder, doesn't it? Because I'm sure the tomato convenience store is not a license of anything. Pretty sure it's made up of the game, yeah. So it seems strange that they wouldn't show. Because mm. we didn't have it in Shemi 1, so this kind of would have made sense why they didn't show it, because they yeah. had this lined up for us, but then they didn't even show it here. So this is we- really, weird. really strange to me. Weird, but Everyone I could mean... could shed some light on that. I mean, I'd love to, and I can't, unfortunately. I just think it's they just obviously for whatever reason haven't included it be it licensing or something else it doesn't yeah. matter in in the grand scheme of the scene but that would have been a really cool little bit of fan service if they'd done that yeah. so they go into the convenience store and they meet izumi which is great and i know on stream we were both ah, oh, yeah this is this is great doing this and she asks if rio is japanese and whether he's a tourist or studying abroad like she is which is very similar to the conversation they have when they first meet in the game Wong yep. reveals that he's searching for martial artists, which prompts Azumi to throw a punch. <laughs> um, very forward there. Rio yep. catches it and quizzes her about the wood. Unfortunately, she doesn't know about the wood here, and it ends the scene. But sort of coming into this, narratively, it move, it doesn't move the story on massively. I suppose it's like it's ticking a few people off. She yeah. doesn't know about martial artists. She doesn't know about martial artists. You know, he's struggling to find out about the wood. But yeah, it's really strange that they've introduced two characters here who only have like minor roles in the game. Like, it's really funny. It's really funny because to us, as guys who've played this game through and through and known them at the back of our hands, it's the ultimate fan service. Some of this stuff. Yeah, you don't have to include Eileen. You don't have to include Izumi. You could do something different. But they've done it anyway. But for people who obviously haven't played the games. These are two random characters that just happen to know martial arts. So that surface level stuff works really well, but that deeper sort of Easter eggy type thing is really well done, really well yeah, put together. That, that's probably the explanation, to be fair. Yeah, that's probably why they're in the anime. It's great. Absolutely yeah. great. Really, really fond of that. And they did it really well. 100% man. So we then, after having our fan service and Easter eggs, we cut to Zhuing and the Land Sharks. So Zhuing and Fang Mei are walking in the street in Hong Kong carrying a bag each. They hear a kid calling out. And they stumble upon a scene where a small boy is shielding, I think it's his sister, from two men threatening them. One's got a rod. And the boy kicks the one with the rod in the groin. Um, fair play. <laughs> uh, who responds by raising the rod to hit the kids. And Zhuing at this point interferes, holding the rod and, and then saying, how dare you fight a child? And then Zhuing asks Fang Mei to take the kids to safety and discards the rod. The thugs here, they're yellow heads. And again, I'm going to make a point of saying Joe Kitchen put this scene together in, in the game engine when we, were, when we were streaming, and I'll show it on, on the podcast for everybody. Um, but these guys are, are, are yellow heads from the game. So it's, again, pretty well. You know, they're one-to-one from their game models, which is great. Just a different context how they're used. Uh, and the thugs say they don't care that she's a woman. They'll just beat her up anyway. And the camera sort of zooms in on Zhuing and she's staring them down. And the thugs are sort of growing increasingly worried. What got me here was her eyes. Yeah. Like she, in the game, she's very cold. She has this very cold stare 
especially when she's talking to Rhea about revenge, you know, beating him and training him. She's this very cold look and stare. Here, she's got more, she's, she's warmer. She's a much warmer character. They're giving her a bit more to say and do and developed her more, which is great. But this is the first time you see those eyes, those piercing, like, like I'm going to murder you type <laughs> eyes. And it's really intimidating. Like, I love her character because she's really intimidating in the games. But here, she's intimidating when she needs to be. And mm. it works really, really well. I mean, she shifts her foot ever so slightly. And the thugs think better of it and leg it down the street. And Fang Mate chuckles and praises you in front of the kids. Uh, Zhuing arrives and asks, are okay? The girl thanks her, but the boy looks defeated, saying that he must get stronger. And I love how they play this in here. Again, this is fantastic. Zhuing asks him why. And the boy says it's it's time to make them pay when they return for terrorizing his little sister. Mm. And the camera on Zhuing with her eyes, it flashes back to an older boy holding the hand of a younger girl who we know is Ziming and Zhuing when they were younger. And I think, I, I, mean, I can't say it's 100%, but I think it's the pendant handover. Looks like it, doesn't it? It looks I, like I, it. I do it? think this is still a tease and we're going to see the full thing play out. At some yeah, point, but... I do. I, I do. I think we'll see the full thing. And Zhuing warns the boy about thinking this way as, because he will end up on the wrong path. Boy looks confused. and The camera zooms in on her eyes again. And you can see that sort of, not despair, but she, she should remember what happened to her brother. And Zhuing tells Fang they have to leave. And we see the back of Zhuing as she's walking away. And the camera sort of switches to Fang Mei, who looks worried before hurrying after her. This this sort of build up towards the Ziming Zhuing situation and when Rhea will eventually find out how they play it out, whether whether it's at the end where he might leave for Guilin or they do it sooner, like with the photograph in the game, for example. It's great. But again, it's building towards the payoff. And the payoff here, the, the little payoff is seeing that, that scene of the two of them when they're children. Brilliantly done. Could even be like as early as the next episode, really. It, could. it depends. It could. In the game, it's when he's leaving for the Kowloon, right? Yes. He um, walks into the room and... Or is it... He, he might, I don't know. It's just before then. He's still doing the books and they, she's in the room crying. Crying. And, and the, the full scene, don't you? Kind yeah, of. And the photo falls out and you see the photo and it says Zhuing and Zhuing on it. Okay, asks, so you don't you don't get the scene of him hunting over the pendant that comes later, doesn't it? Is that that, comes, that might even be between Kowloon and Guilin, right? I think so. I'd have to I'd have to sit and play it. And I'm, I'm really bad. She gives him she gives him this. the half of the pendant, and maybe him, teaches him that move at the same time. The um, she teaches him Demon's Triangle, mm. and and gives him the pendant as he leaves. Yeah, and I think that's when it does the scene. Whereas the other scene of him leaving is earlier on. And then she's, I think it's when he's about to spar with her to learn counter elbow assault. Man, that's so interesting when you think of it like that. Is it going to, if they followed the same sort of narrative wise and we do end on the rooftop, we might not even see that scene, right? <laughs> I think now, he's got to learn counter elbow assault. So I would think we will see the initial Zimming doing one and going after yeah. the human. And then, yeah, then yeah, yeah. she takes him down. But I, do you know what? I, I'm, Considering how well they've done so far, however they want to do it, I'm, I'm in. It's fine with yeah. I mean, they've got to give Rio the pendant because that's even though we're not even there with Shemu three, it's like it's it's in his inventory. It's like part of the narrative that eventually he's going to bump into Ziming or there's going to be a fight or some some involvement mm. in Ziming. 
yeah definitely. he's going to spot the other half of the pendant and you know that that has to happen so they are eventually going to go in more depth in this for sure so, for sure but then it's time for tea and we see a teapot on a bamboo box used for tea ceremonies wong's asking if the two ladies eileen and azumi weren't enough and rio actually responds no we see Rio, Wong, and Joy sitting around the same table having tea. So he's having a, a second bout of tea. He must have suddenly started getting addicted after that well, it's better than free garlic. sample. That's how that's how they get you with a free sample. In yeah, them. that's it. Isn't it? Game <laughs> over. Yeah. So Wong's pondering who Rio might now be looking for. Then there's a sound of a crash, and Rio looks up and sees two men arguing across the street, one of them refusing to leave and the other threatening to punch him. As Rio makes his way to interfere, Joy actually stops him and tells him to not bother. Uh, she and Wong explains to Rio how no one cares anymore, how that one guy is a land shark and that the land sharks bully people to leave their flats so they can be torn down and new buildings put up, lining the pockets of the investors. So we get a bit of context, actually. Um, I know we were talking about this in the, the stream, mm. but you don't kind of understand what the land sharks are attacking quicksand and you know the the Yantan apartments for whereas this kind of provides a bit of context now that you know this is what the land sharks are doing they're trying to like get money off residents of these old decrepit buildings yeah and if they don't receive them it gives them the kind of the, the warrant to tear the buildings down so that they can then put up a fresh new building and obviously make money that way as well kick mm. people out yeah, yeah and apparently according to joy it's called redevelopment or it, it, it may have been Wong that says this, I can't remember. But that, that's the, the concept behind this thing that's going on. So many neighbours don't mind that old, ugly buildings are taken away and nice new ones set up because obviously they're seeing nice, fresh buildings when they're living next to these decrepit ones. And it's supposedly happen all over, happening all over Hong Kong. So the residents are treated like crap and no one can actually do anything about it. So you get more about the British. I, I, don't, I don't think it happens for a few years. I think, didn't you say it was like 94 or something yes, in I, real life? or I, something? Around, I'll check it actually while we're talking. Um, okay. but it's in the mid-90s. Mid-90s. So this is 87, I think, if first, they're going off, based, basing off the games. 1st of July, 1997. So it's 10 years. Oh, okay. So there's 10 seconds, uh, 10 years, but they were st- they kind of talking about it here anyway. They were saying mm. that the British are leaving and the life is changing. So even though that didn't actually come into play, it's still quite a nice detail that the anime is kind of taking that concept. It's 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 making the viewer aware that the British are still colonised over there at the moment. Yeah. Correct. And we see, obviously, the cityscape, various shots of Wong and Joy as they tell Rio that story. And then the clock on the wall heralds 4pm. Wong says it's time for him to go find some sucker, but Joy dissuades him. And then Rio shits himself because he was supposed to be somewhere at 3 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> so he's already an hour late to meet Fang Mei. And uh, yeah, things carry on from there. Matt, if you want to take over. Yeah, so Rio is in the doghouse right now. Um, we are back at the Manmo Temple Yard and Fang Mei is giving Rio what for as she had to put the books back by herself. And Zhuing is listening in, wearing her blue dress again, and she's in the background. Rio does apologise to Fang Mei, and she asks what kept him, hands on hips and looking quite annoyed. And Rio says that he's looking for a martial artist to teach him about the wood. Um, and we see Zhuing sort of taken aback by this a little bit. Fang Mei, on the other hand, doesn't believe him and asks if he only thinks of himself. And Rio talks back at us saying he didn't come here to be put to work like this. And 
Fang Mei sort of snaps back at him, saying, "Why did it? Why did he come to Hong Kong?" It zooms in on Rio, and he's saying that he's looking for Yuan Dezhu. Fang Mei looks puzzled by this and denies knowing of him. She then wanders off in a huff, and she meets Yuan, who's come to meet them. And Yuan asks what's wrong, and Fang Mei says it's nothing. Then sort of stomps off again further, mm. and Rio Rio actually openly admits that he was late to help her. So he, yeah. take, yeah, he takes responsibility for that. And Zhuing states that Rio and Fang Mei are actually alike. Uh, she uses the term like a straight arrow. And she asks Rio not to think badly of Fang Mei and, and leaves him. So again, with Fang Mei, it's a very uh, different take of how she it's is. It's a different take, but I think she's starting to, you know, how, how she kind of leaves the scene. She leaves Rio. She, mm. she's, she's almost saying that she doesn't know Yuanda Zhu is obviously mm. towards the end of the episode that kind of changes, but this is like spreading those seeds early on, and it's it's how she's thinking of Rio now. But I, I I think at this point in time she is starting to change getting, her tune a little she, bit. Yeah, she's yeah, getting there. she's getting there with him. We then cut to another scene uh, back at the tea shop, and Roy is uh, Roy. I'll do it again. <laughs> Wong, Roy Roy Hazuki is annoyed. Roy, yeah. <laughs> um, Wong is annoyed that he he's missed prime pickpocket in time, and Joy is sat there watching a young girl run up to her father with a balloon taking his hand, and she looks thoughtful, which is a bit of a play if you remember the scene from episode six, where it's a cut back to what we see is a guy and a, a young girl who we think is Joy at this point. So there's obviously some sort so of so do we think that there. was her father then? I think it was her father personally, mm. but I could be completely wrong. I wonder um, where they're going to take that. Do you think we're going to see more of that as well? I don't know. I don't know where they're going to take them. Maybe we'll find out as as we move on. I mean, they have to, right? They, well, they can't just introduce something like that and not resolve it. Well, no, because it's quite a big thing, isn't it? We don't really hear much of it mentioned in the game. So it's a I new... she's going to like have a sit down with Rio at some point and talk about the past or... Maybe. Maybe, maybe she brings up Guizang. <laughs> yeah, possibly, because that's... Obviously, they, they know each other because they have a conversation on the table. Has he mentioned Master Chen to her yet, do you know? No, no, he hasn't. Okay. But, like, Joy obviously knows Master Chen. You get a conversation with that with Rio in the games. You get the tapes with Guizang and Joy's conversation in the mm. games later on. And you've also got the comic with um, Guizang saving Joy when yeah. she's a bit younger. So, and I think she calls up in that comic as well, doesn't she? Mm, speaks called, on the phone to yeah she does speaks to, speaks to um Guizang and, and mentions Rio although not by um it's in the game she mentions him but not by yeah. name and yeah, Guizang's yeah. like oh I know somebody like him but doesn't twig who it is mm. um <laughs> Wong then sort of asks why she's following Rio around and she denies following him Wong asks why she is doing so many favors good point um and she said it all just happens we see the shop owner and a customer talking about all the eviction notices being handed out in the neighbourhood. And the customer says that there's also trouble in South Carmain Quarter. Um, but the owner there says there's a martial artist living there and is sorting things out and keeping it under control. Wong and Joyce sort of light up together. Uh, and the owner further explains that martial artists is at the Yantin Apartments. And sort of Wong and Joy look at each other and then they take their leave. So then we cut again. This is a new scene. And I love these these new scenes they're all really really good and we see fang mei sort of taking the laundry down at manmo temple yard and she's cursing about rio under his breath i think she calls him a fathead which i found quite funny <laughs> that's funny and jiuing appears asking what happened earlier and fang mei says that she was wrong about rio and he's a selfish jerk so she's pretty peeved at him at this point 
um, called him a fat-headed jerk and everything else. But um, I do think it's she's she's still she's she's getting there, and she she's she's calling new names like a bully would, but she's kind of mm, yeah, you know, she's there's something underlining I think as well. Yeah, I do. there's something there. Jewing uh, ponders it, if it might not be because they are too you know, too much a straight shooter. They're very much alike, and that he um reminds her of a certain someone looking at Fang Mei as she says it. Mm, yeah, Fang yeah. Mei looks a bit surprised by this. And Zhuing asks her to close the gate when she's done, thanking her for her service as she walks away. And we see sort of Fang Mei looking ahead. Right. And then the camera zooms over a stone lion in front of the Mamo Temple. And as Rio walks in front of it, Han Hui appears, asking him about his study of the wood. Bloody Han Hui, like, just turns up, like, yeah. slides away from behind slides this. Away. <laughs> from behind, like, he's stalking him. Yeah, true, but it's it's almost reminded me actually. You know, when you actually finish airing out all the books, and he kind of appears around the wall and yeah, he says does, the bastard's going to be happy with you or whatever. And he's yeah, he he's up. a skill book. Read this kind of thing. Mm. Kind of reminded me of that scene. But Rio actually looks defeated, saying he thinks that even if he knew every wood, Shewing might still not help him. And he says he's no close to finding Zhu, which defeats the purpose of him even coming to Hong Kong. Then we see Fang Mei appearing on the corner, eavesdropping. So again, she's 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 kind of intrigued. She's interested mm, in Rio's yeah. goal, at least. She's you know she's spying on him here. Han Hui's not impressed. He asks Rio, "Why are you even practicing martial arts?" Sorry. Rio straightens up, clenching his fist, and asks what he, what that has to do with him being in Hong Kong. Han Hui berates him, telling him that he appears to only see the path that lies in front of him. We then see him looking stern while he explains that new sites surely is an important part of travelling, but that Rio's focus is not enough and it's far from enough. Rio looks even more puzzled and Hanhui repeats, yes, you are lacking. So this zooms in on a distraught Rio and we see a flashback of him having some sort of teaching from Iwao, his father, mm, yeah, who explains that he's lacking. It's kind of like, in one of the the very first, ep- I think it is the first episode. Is, he yeah. says, yeah, I, I, "I'd never understood what my father was teaching," kind of thing. Mm. And obviously, he, he tweaks a little bit when he's fighting Chai. One of his father's teachings, he's like, "Okay, I, I finally understand what my father was saying." And then throughout the kind of series, he has twigged into like some of the stuff his father's taught him. And I feel like this flashback of him, wow, wow, telling him he's lacking again. He, he hears this and he kind of twigs, like you know. I, I, I now understand what he meant. Yeah, 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 definitely. So Rio asks Han Hui, not enough what? So we see Rio and Han Hui keeping eye contact, and he states that perhaps Master Tao Li Shao has known the answer to that all along. So Joy and Wong come running around the corner and tell him about the Antin apartments that they've heard about a martial artist called the Quicksang living there. Rio thanks them and runs off. I feel like they come like saying something's happening with the apartments as well, right? Like the they, land sharks are attacking. They sort of come over sort of very excitedly, like something is happening. I don't think they explicitly say what's going on, right? But they they come over like make a bit of a ruckus, which Hanley doesn't look too impressed about it either. No, no, exactly. And Fang Mei actually follows Rio running after him, and that leads us to the Antin apartments where the land sharks are sort of messing with the quicksand and she's scolding, cussing them off. And we see she's faced with a whole group of these thugs, including two um, that obviously that image you mentioned about Joe Kitchen, who yeah. um, placed them in that kind of scene 
with uh, was it Fang Mei and Shuing? Yeah, yeah. Where you know one of them's nailing Shuing with like a big stick or something, um, and she grabs the stick in that image, which you probably show a picture of. But yeah, it's those thugs again. Oh yeah, it does actually say those are the two that were earlier threatening the boy and the girl, and one of them moves to hit Quicksang, but Rio stops his fist with his hand. The thugs ask him who he is, while Quicksang recognizes Rio from earlier. Rio tells the land sharks to beat it. The land sharks say that they have business here and that they are the right as they are making this town new again, hinting back at that story that Wong and Joy told Rio in the tea shop. So Rio tells them not to make the same mistake that he did, and the thugs ask what he means. Rio explains that while there's nothing wrong with new sights, he hadn't focused on the scenery, the present that was all around him, echoing the lesson from Hanhui. The camera zooms over the old tired buildings. We then face Rio, who was telling the land sharks that they're doing just as he did. They tell him he's full of shit and runs in to attack him. Rio easily fights them off, and we see Fang Mei arriving at one corner watching. So he kind of like knees someone in the face. Oh, that knee! That knee! (laughs) I felt that. That was horrible. Pretty yeah, brutal. But to be fair, a lot of the fight scenes have been quite brutal, aren't they? Really, it's like one and one and done. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone fucks off after a knee to the face, I suppose. So Rio continues to fight them off, and Gwixang looks pleased. After defeating the thugs, he asks if everyone in the neighbourhood is a Kung Fu master before they all run away. Gwixang asks Rio why he came. He faces her and says he wanted to learn about the wood from a martial artist named Gwixang. Does he not know her name at this moment, by the way? No, he doesn't. Okay, so that kind of twigs, and she asks him why he then helped her out. And Rhea ponders this, but then says that, you know, you actually told me, and then you kind of get a flashback to the scene of him telling him in the tea shop that the value lies in the eye of the beholder. Rio continues that to him, protecting the people in the city seemed like the right thing to do, which gets a bit of a smile from Gwixang, and she says that that is one of the wooed to act without hesitation, to do what is right, and that is called Yi. So we see the scene freeze and the character for Yi appearing next to Quicksang. So that's the third wood he's just learnt there. Yeah. And we've got the remastered theme playing in the background. That sounds really cool. It's like a, a remix of that. Love it. Rio asks if she's serious and she confirms and introduces herself as Quicksang at this point. So now he knows. Teasing him, she tells him that he needs to stop judging people by their appearances so much. So it's kind yeah. of that thing where it's like not a sexist thing as such, but he's he's just surprised that all these martial artists and all these integral people, even like with Eileen and Izumi earlier, maybe that's another reason why they're all very strong females, female mm. characters, aren't they? And Rio kind of has just assumed that everyone's going to be like, you know, like his father, I guess, yeah. in his, his mind. So he's, he's, he's learning things along the way. So Rio kind of gives in. He responds, I've been told, you know, you're right. Yeah. And Quicksang says, figures. And then we see Fang Mei laughing in the distance, I suppose. She must be in the background, right? Yeah. She's warmed to him. That's it. She's warmed to him. And then we're getting towards the end now of, of, of the anime. We cut back to um, it's at night time. Rio's walking up the street and he ponders Han Hui's question and why he practices up uh, martial arts. And he looks up and he's like, I get it. I get it. Outside Mamo Temple at night, Rio recites Yi to Zhuing, who is standing with her back against the temple wall. It's a very well shot scene. She's sort of in her blue dress, looking down, almost like Rio's you know, seeking her out to find, you know, find her for approval. He asks if that's what she thought he was missing. Moving to him, Zhuing says what's been inside of him is the fire of revenge. 
challenging that he must, he, he must feel it too by now. So this is the first time that we've had the explicit use of the word revenge. So that fueling of wanting to find out the truth about his father is now being overtaken by the lust for vengeance. And he mm -hmm. touches his bandage here. And Ewing tells him that killing in the name of vengeance is just murder the same and she'll have no part in it, which is very similar to the games again. And it's really feeding into that revenge storyline now, moving away from Rio seeking the truth. And we do get hints. We do get hints of revenge. I think about Yagamashi before he helps Rio earlier on. You get like this shot of his eyes and looking at Rio in the eyes, and he's like, "I'm he not helping you." He sees something, doesn't he? Yeah, something, doesn't he in him? And again, this is the same thing here, but they've now gone. It's vengeance, it's revenge. I think they did this so well, you know, because all this time we've been commenting, and everyone I've I've heard, I've I've seen, you know, the AM2 podcast guys, I've seen the Sega bits, and everyone Mega Visions guys, everyone who's commenting, doing videos and audio commentary on the episodes and stuff. They've all been saying like. They seem to have changed the narrative from revenge to like seeing if they can find out the truth about Rio's mm. father, kind of thing, is like the angle that they're going for. But it's kind of just been like a culmination up until this point that perhaps that's what Rio thought he was going after. Yeah. Trying, yeah, yeah. trying to find the truth about his father. And then as soon as Shewing says this, Summit twigs in his head, he's, he realizes that all that time he, he's kind of like his, his fire's been evoked by thinking about revenge it wasn't actually the tr finding out the truth about his father it, it, it is revenge this yeah 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 it is, it is it is revenge at the end of the day whether he knew it or not deep down i mean he may have done i mean yagamashi saw something in him yeah and, and the first time he saw shuing she said something like everything you think about is you know she can tell your one track mind kind of thing yeah yeah uh, she you know she alluded to it a bit back then but this is really clever because it feeds back to what hanhui said to him earlier that actually master jewing already knows the answer as to what mm. what's going on what he's lacking and, and all the rest of it so they've 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 resolved that really cleverly while sort of bringing in the bit of revenge and i think for for People have been following this quite closely when you think about the Yagamashi scene and some other scenes in the, the Shemmy One portion. They've been planting these seeds all the way through. And now we've got the revenge arc. And I'm interested to see how they're going to play this going forward. Does he become more blinded by it? Will, yeah, how are they going to bring that in? Counter elbow assault, the mind like a polished mirror, all of that's yep. to come. Because um, he but, needs to use that on Donu at some yeah, point. Yeah, he does. He? Yep. So it's very. They've done this brilliantly, brilliantly. Unless he uh, swallow dives. <laughs> oh, yeah. Swallow dive! <laughs> and then she, she, well, he might shout, counter elbow assault. Bang! <laughs> Imagine, yeah. Counter elbow assault! <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That would um, be funny. Jewing walks off, leaving the room, uh, leaving Rio with the, the night lamps of the temple yard. It's quite a nice shot, actually. And then we are inside the temple at the night and the incense coils are going. And Rio meets Fang Mei at the altar steps. He apologises for earlier, and she says, look, it's fine, walking down to meet him. And she says she might have got the wrong idea about him, which is, like I think, the final bit of her warming to him a little bit. She apologises and bows to him, and Rhea looks really puzzled by this. And she tells him that she remembers a book in the library called The Woolen Shoe, and it has the name of Zoo on it. Um, oh, nice. So then we get to the temple at night. Rhea searching through the shelves for the book. He finds and then hauls the green book with the Woolen Shoe on the red characters on it. The author the zoo on the back, and we see Rio looking like really intently at the book. And as a point to this, if you compare it to the game, 
spot on one to one. And the only difference is, is it night? Love that little bit to end, which then says to me, we're getting Chow and sign in episode nine as a certainty. And they've yeah, got a definitely. lot to cover in episode nine, but we'll talk about it in a bit. But overall, I love this episode. Very, very Shenmue again in terms of the pacing, the you know, character development, going around and seeing the sites, speaking to people. And it's a special note, and I think I said this earlier, the way they are portraying Zhuing is fantastic. They have given her more layers. They've given her a softness, almost like a, I'm trying to think, a sadness within her, but a softness yeah. to her character. But when needed, um, she's a total badass, and I love it. Yeah, I think anyone that hasn't played the game perhaps falling in love with uh, Shuing and you know her, her her actual characteristics from the anime you know she's very noble she's very she's got all the knowledge but she's she's kind mm-hmm. of like caring at the same sort of time you know uh, i think they, uh, they they've nailed her character to a t actually and i yeah. wonder if people are actually finding like new viewers and who haven't played the games do you reckon this is like a big cliffhanger or a big like ooh because it's the first time after knowing about the lead of Zhuanda, it's like, oh, you know, he, that this is the author of this book. You know, I, I feel like I remember when I played Shemu 2, when we found that book, it was like quite a big moment, a big special moment. And you also get that kind of, um, you get a cutscene, don't you, of uh, Landy saying, do you remember Yuanda Zhu? Which is kind of like I what think. he says to his father at the start of the game. It's- do you remember Zhao Zhengming, is what he says? Oh, yeah, of course, then, so sorry. <laughs> and then it cuts It cuts to the scene, um, and you look at the book, and you see the name yes, in the Wuling that's Shuk. it, mate. That is it, yeah. He sees that name in the book, doesn't he? Now, I'm, I'm nigh on certain we, we will get that scene here. Yeah. They'll cut and do that thing here, and you'll see it in the book. I hope they do. That would be That'd cool. Be spot that would be cool if they that. pick up from where this left off, and then, like, say the the paper falls out. And we also know mm. that he's going to get discover the Chowen sign on this paper, and these these things that have been hinted at throughout this episode, like we I mentioned the tea the tea set earlier, like that's kind of like a hint. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. going to trigger him to go find Quicksand or whatever for ask about the or, or it's going to tr- trigger something about the tea set anyway with the the four cups he's got to do with the chow and sign so let's have a quick music break anyway matt before we jump into the the next episode preview what we saw of that i'm going to play the piece of music uh, it's kind of the theme song of fang mei and it's called a lovely girl
Okay, welcome back. That was A Lovely Girl, a theme of Fang Mei from Shimmer 2's OST, and also, again, on Spotify, you can listen to the Shimmer 1 and 2 sound collection, which pretty much every piece of music I'm playing today <laughs> comes from. I'm just <laughs> trying to go for music that kind of fits the scenes that we're discussing. So, Matt, episode 9, we've had a preview, like usual. The episode is called Distinct. What happened in this preview? So, in this very short preview, we've got quite a lot. Um, so it opens up with Rio in Gwixang's apartment um, with the bit of paper that's fallen out of the Wolin shoe, learning how to make the Chowan sign. There we go. And she's saying that friends of you see this, they'll probably get in touch. And then cuts to a scene of Rio in a tea shop. Uh, he makes a sign. Somebody sees this and gives him a note. And it says, meet at Manmo Park at nine o'clock. And then it cuts to a scene where Rio turns up at the park and gets like, whacked on the back with like a metal, I think it's a metal pole. Um, and taken down, which is a scene in the games. It's one of the optional fights in the games. If you if you do it at a certain place, you get this fight, and then Rio fight, can fight the guys off, or B, he gets taken out, Zhuing takes them out, and then you wake up to Fang Mei sort of nursing him better the next morning. So we're definitely getting Chowan signed for sure in this episode. I'm intrigued, and I think I said this on stream about, about the wood here, how they're going to fit fit the last wood in. Um, with the barber shop, are they going to make the link with the barber shop knife to Ren's knife, maybe, and put that together? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it looks looks good. I think pace is going to quicken soon. It's going to quicken up from these last two episodes. There's a lot to cover with with well, the four last or five episodes to go. Yeah, the last five episodes. What what do you think about them using these optional scenes and kind of like turning them into like the main kind of aspects? It's clever. It is clever, it's isn't very it? Yeah, clever. Um, because if you're watching the anime for the first time, and we actually had somebody in, in the chat on the stream tonight who who hadn't played the game. So this was all, you know, this is all sort of canon. Well, it is all canon, but you know what I mean. Yeah, in, in to the, him the, it this is. This is happening. Yeah, to him it is. And I, I find that really, really interesting. A, that the anime is working because now he wants to play the games. And, and B, to have that view of going, I've seen this in the anime, and then going over to the games which we're not going to have that benefit of because we played the game. It's crazy. He's going to be seeing stuff like meet me at Mamo Park at nine. He might not even see that in the game. <laughs> he may He may not. He may completely miss that scene in the game because it is a completely optional scene. But I, I, I like that they're doing these sorts of things. For us, it's a massive Easter egg. Well, definitely. It's a massive Easter egg. It's crazy. It's crazy, really, because like you say, I mean, it makes sense because I'm thinking what's going to happen next. So... We saw he gets hit by this pole, right? Yeah. So he's taken down. So we know they're probably going to go the route of like he's waking up and Fang Mei's nursing him. Mm. So maybe Fang Mei is going to increase her sort of affinity towards. I, I don't know why I'm talking so gamey, but she's going to like be more affectionate towards Rio because she's nursing him. Mm-hmm. She's seen what he's capable of because she just witnessed him doing that, com- you know, the martial arts and fighting these thugs, and she knows he's a nice person, and he's he's just doing his doing these things with good intentions. At the end of the day, so she's gonna get a bit of affection towards him by nursing him, and mm-hmm. then obviously that's also fleshing Fang Mei out as a character. Who, I mean, a couple of episodes ago, we were worried whether the retconda. Do you know what I mean? So it's like. She's an integral part of the story going on at the moment. And she's also the comedy aspect of the anime that was missing since Goro, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, it so makes sense. It, it just works so well. Like some of the decisions they've made, it's just, it's just working really well. And obviously now we, we know we're going to get Chow on sign, so he, he must find the paper from the book. Mm. He must go to Quicksang at some point. She's going to teach him what to do. He's going to go to a 
a tea shop, which then gets this meet me at the Mamu Park. It probably might even skip out the meet me at Kumbo, the guest house or whatever. Yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah, unnecessary. Yeah. That's just a gamey sort of aspect. So it'll probably go straight to Mamu Park and then he'll get hit. And then whatever else you expect from that episode, I mean, I don't know. We are, or we should really, the way they've gone, learn the fourth voodoo, which is going to yeah, be done. I'd be surprised if we didn't at this point. Which, obviously, in the game, you learn that from a barber. But, like, what you were just saying, you could see them doing as a different sort of aspect, maybe? Yeah, I, I could see, that, like, Rio learning the uh, the barber shop thing. Obviously, we all failed as QTE about, you know, to sort of feel the movement of the blade and feel the malice or not. Uh, it's too... I can't remember the exact wound that it, the, the, the um that Dan is. You mean? Yeah, I can't like, remember. It. Yeah, must be like don't move. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway, doesn't. I'll, we'll forget it. Good fans that we are, I've forgotten it. Throw it up um, on the screen. Yeah, throw it up on the screen. <laughs> and um, I wonder if they'll link that to like when Rio meets Ren and how threatening Ren might be with his knife because Rio might almost I don't know, use that teaching to mm, shop Ren. Made the gods be with you. Yeah, because Ren might move. grab the knife and stick it to his throat sort of thing. Rio just sort of stands there and stares him out. And he's like, yeah, what are you yeah. going to do? Yeah. That would be quite a cool way to do it. That would be cool. They've got a lot to fit in, because I think Kowloon, in my my view, and a personal opinion, could do with four episodes, really. And, and if you, you fit that in and Ren and Rio meet, I mean, I suppose you could take out the Lucky Charm Chase, the Lucky, um, not the Lucky Charm Chase, the, um, oh, what's the name of the building they go to? The, um, Lucky Plaza. I knew I was lucky in it. So I, I do wonder whether they cut that out. Do you need that? I mean, it depends how they, because Ren's looking for Rio here at this point. It's such an iconic scene there, isn't it? When yeah. they fall off the, the bamboo. I mean, it was, in, it was in all the promo material. Scaffolding. Yeah. Promo material, so I do wonder what they're going to do. Where they are, that's how Ren sees the mirror as yeah. well and says, like, yeah. there must be something more involved. Meet me in Kowloon. Yeah. That, that, that is that scene, so I, I think they've got to do that. It's just, it's, it's strange. I don't know how they're going to introduce Ren because they've introduced him. Could they do it? Could they do it in such a way that Rio meets him there at Lucky Plaza, has like a bit of a to do with him? Oh, do you still think they might go down because we've seen Wong steal money from or, or tr- keep attempting to steal money from people? Maybe we'll see Ren again, and he's he's changed his plan now. Instead of going after him, he's gonna like spread the seeds for him to be found. Yeah, possibly. And that that is the five hundred. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. It's I'm, just a suggestion. I'm very intrigued as how they're gonna put this together, um, and then how they do the Kowloon arc. But we'll we'll get to Kowloon um in a few episodes. I'm sure. I'm looking forward to it though. Um, it's really good. Yeah, me too, man. So far, so good. So let's jump swiftly into everyone's favourite aspect of the show, Jim's 80s disco corner. <laughs> so I'm going to send you over another song, Matt. Yoke. I never went back to poetry, by the way. I've always been doing <laughs> songs. Hopefully you're familiar with the song, by the way. Hope so. We'll find out in a minute. Hopefully people are. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. I, I, know the, song. I know the song, yeah. I think there's got to be people that know what this song is, right? Oh, yeah, I know the song. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, I probably people don't know the verses, so that might be quite interesting. Yeah, I can tell you now, I don't know the verses. <laughs> okay, Mark, are you ready? Yeah, go for it. So the song I've entitled "The Four Voodoo Change My Life." Because mm. the four voodoo changed my life. My life, oh yeah. The voodoo changed my life. 
Cause the full voodoo changed my life. My life. Oh yeah. The voodoo changed my life. Life, 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 life. There is something that I want to learn All oh, just for little ancient words And take me to Jamin He'll make you hit his tree <laughs> Oh, won't you use the iron palm Fill the floor with leaves again On the ground below Until I hear you say the four voodoo changed my life My life Oh yeah The voodoo changed my life Cause the four voodoo changed my life My life Oh yeah The voodoo changed my life Life, life, life Won't you scrub these walls and make them gleam Until there's nothing left for me to clean Pick up this small stone and break it with your hand I don't wanna let you cut my hair Just sit me in your barber chair Place that blade on me, no reason to move it But I know you wanna press A Cause the four voodoo changed my life My life, oh yeah The voodoo changed my life Cause the four voodoo changed my life My life, oh yeah The voodoo changed my life Cause the four voodoo changed my life My life, oh yeah The voodoo changed my life Cause the full voodoo changed my life My life Oh yeah The woo changed my life Life, life, life Gone Danji Yee, 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 These are the voodoo you have learned These are the voodoo you have learned oh, Would you have learned These are the wooda you have learned Cause the full voodoo changed my life My life, oh yeah The voodoo changed my life Cause the full voodoo changed my life My life, oh yeah The voodoo changed my life Cause the full voodoo changed my life My life, oh yeah The voodoo changed my life Cause the full voodoo changed my life 
my life, oh yeah. The woo-woo changed my life, 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 life. Because the full woo-woo changed my life. Well played, and what in one take again. You're getting, you're getting good <laughs> at this shit, man. I'd really Smashing it on someone. That was... That shit with the barber chair. You know you want to press A. <laughs> Fuck it out. I had to turn my mic off again. I don't want to put you off. It's all right, man. I mean, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe I did do it in one take. To be fair, one take again. Every and I'm not I'm not just saying this for for effect. These uh, we've recorded. We, yeah, we record this and we edit these podcasts together, of course. But this is legitimately all three of these. One take. One take. One take. Every time. Fair play, well played. I love that song you do. I didn't realise until I was like really practicing on that how much I really like that song. <laughs> song, it's yeah, proper good song. Catchy. When you mentioned it, I was like, oh yeah, I know this song. The verses, mm. I ha- you sort of hear. No one going, knows the verses, mate. I, no one knows. I know the, the rhythm of it, but I don't know what the hell she's singing. Yeah, like even if you you play it now, like go off and play the song now. Yeah, you won't know what she's saying. No, no I had to get the lyrics no. up. But I think I did do a decent job there. And a very good job. I mean, it hasn't aged too well, to be honest, because the, the actual artist's name is uh, Corona. <laughs> ah, so, shit. <laughs> I'm not sure how... So, well, it might have given a, a bit of a boost, actually, thinking about it. But, well, maybe. You know, maybe so. But the song is a classic all the same. Hopefully you enjoyed that one, guys. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do next week, but we'll um, play it by ear. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, news. Let's get into it. Bloody hell, the news. It's quite a fair chunk of news. So the first piece of news I want to mention is something quite exciting. If you're living in Japan, you're listening to us, you're living in Japan, you might not know about this event. I don't know if you've been following, but make sure you get yourself over to Yokosuka between the months of April and June, basically. So towards the end of April, you've got phase one of this event that's going on, taking Mm -hmm. place. 23rd of April to the 13th of May is phase one. Phase two is the 14th of May to the 3rd of June, and the final phase is 4th of June to the 26th of June. So what's actually happening down in Yokosuka, Matt? Wow, there's a lot happening in Yokosuka, actually. It's, it's mental, the amount of stuff that's happening. So sort of reading off from sort of Phantom River's uh, stone's list here, because he did the translations for all of this, um, so check them out if you haven't done already. Promotion is going to feature an updated Sacred Spots guide map, so you may remember those from... The re-releases in 2018, they did all these spots in WC3. Well, they did one before, didn't they? Did it, was it like a year or two before? It they did like a, a plainish one. They did like a plain one, and then they reissued yeah. it with the new art on it. Yeah. And then they've done the same here. They put the anime art on the front, and then they put in some anime locations in there as well. So they've obviously updated it. Yeah. Not only that, not only that, you are getting a live stream event with uh, Masaya Matsukazi, uh, Rihazuki, Yuki Yizono, and Ezra Krabe. Um, so I imagine it's like a panel talking about um, the anime and, and how it's sort of come to be, etc. So that would be a good one to look forward to. I hope there's English like captions to it of some description or if whatever. If not, you know, Switch will not, do them, yeah. <laughs> someone, someone will do it. Switch will probably Hopefully do it. Hopefully they ask him about Shemu 4 as well. That would be nice to yeah, get yeah, Suzuki's nice current public, update. Or, publicly there as well. Or a really Season cool. 2 update or something, yeah. Yeah, that would be really good. Um, you get an exhibition of anime and game materials at certain shops associated with Shenmue. So there's going to be all sorts of stuff going on in shops. A shopping promotion where you get sort of postcard collectibles, an online gacha gacha game with digital downloads, 
a gacha gadget on site in your uh, your Costco as crazy, well. Crazy, crazy. Um, as you say, there's like three phases. Phase one is 23rd of April to 30th of May. Phase two is the 14th of May to the 3rd of June. And phase three is the 4th of June to the 26th of June this year. It's mental. Um, the, the live stream is happening on the 29th from 6pm JST, which I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it's about 10 o'clock in the morning our time. Sounds about um, right, yeah, about eight so, hours. So that will, you know, if that you know, if that's on YouTube, etc., book out a bit of time and, and, and watch that. Is that since the clocks have changed? Yes, since the clocks have changed. Yeah. And then okay, you've got okay. the exhibition of shiny materials, WT stations participating, uh, one of the restaurants uh, are participating. Kakita, the military clothing store, is is participating all through Dubuita Street. Mm, loads of stuff. Loads. Mm. Uh, shopping promotion. You've got 18 postcard designs. It reminds me of the placemats that they, they the little placemats they oh, get. Oh, the coasters, yeah. Yeah. And you like bought things in shops and you get one, et cetera. They, they're really, Same sort of thing going yeah. on here. You buy stuff from the shop and yeah. you get a postcard. They're really expensive as well, these, those, those, um, mats now so i could see the same sort of thing happening here if you can't get hold of them but like per 500 yen purchased at a shop one of the shops above you can get a postcard maximum of four while stocks last and there's six designs that's sneaky in it so like you can't just go to one shop you've got to go to at least a couple and and i don't know if they're going to be random or what <laughs> I don't know, if anybody wants to get me and james any um let us know um happily pay for some shipping and your time or if they want to send us like a few sets and we can give some away or yeah, something if you, <laughs> if yeah, you're if you want to, yeah if guys if you're listening over in japan and want to send us some we'll give some away through through, through the dojo you know let's get get people involved in this stuff this is quality this is great this is great promotion especially at the moment because i don't even think flights have opened up to japan no tourists i mean I, I would love to be able to be there and you know see this stuff in person and participate in person and stuff but obviously majority of fans who aren't in japan won't be able to as yeah. far as i'm aware i don't yeah. know if it's it's different or it's just the uk that's blocked i I, don't I, know. I, I think it's generally worldwide they just shut to tourists which is a shame right. uh so yeah. gacha gacha as well for limited time there's an online gacha gacha game which will be available to play on your smartphone um, i'm gonna try and figure out a way of doing that way of doing it yeah. um and it allow you to download digital stills of famous Shenmue scenes from the games and anime. And if you collect them all, wow, yeah. Yeah, you get a greeting card that's posted out to you. I don't know how they're going to work that for people abroad, but that would be really cool if you get hold of that as well. And then there's also an on-site one. It can be played by holding up your smartphone. And if you collect the full set, you'll qualify for an A2 poster, which can be collected from Dewita Station store on Dewita Street. That's a massive poster. That is massive, yeah. Because even, I don't know if anyone's collected any of the Japanese-sized posters before, but they're normally B3, I think, which is quite hefty, mm. quite a big size. But A2 is even bigger than as, as far massive. as I'm aware. I'd have, to, I'd have to compare the sizes there to make sure. But yeah. It's huge. We were trying to work out. So A3... A2 is like two of those. Two A3s, yeah. So if you know, if you can think of the size of A3, if you can't, if you can think of the size of A4, <laughs> two A4s and A3 and two A3s and A4, A2, right? Yeah, like it's big. It's big. So it's fucking massive. They've gone all in on, on this promotion in Japan on, on the anime. I mean, again, it just, it's just adding it, isn't it, to the profile. I mean, over here and in the West and... In America, it's obviously an adult swim. Crunchyroll, it regularly features on the front pages. It t- it's trending every week. Um, yeah. But they're, they're going hard on the promotion. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what comes of it. And maybe even more Shenmue merch through it, which 
I'm sure we'll get. It's just when. Well, you know we're going to get Blu-rays and soundtracks. Oh, and for that. the collectors out there, if they do do a Blu-ray, you're going to have to get the UK one, the US variant, the Japanese variant. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's people out there that want to go for the full set of everything and possibly even with the soundtracks. I don't know if we'll mm. get a UK-based one. And you know, So there's a lot still to come. Obviously, we've got that figure from Sega Shop as well that was yeah. just announced. Yeah, and there's yeah. going to be more there because we know from their website they're saying buy five Shemu items for a little bonus, and they've only got like three things you can buy at the moment. Yes, there's got so to be more. There's got to be more stuff coming along the way, which is awesome. But yeah, just keep those savings in Yeah, keep the, the money in the pocket because you're going to need it, I think. Yeah. And while we're talking, or while I'm on phantomriverstone.com, I will quickly mention, so there was that full gamer article with Yu Suzuki's, and a little bit of an interview. It's been actually translated fully now by Switch. I'm just going to read a couple of things out here that might be interesting Shemu-wise. So obviously, talk. it goes in a lot of detail about OutRun. So if this is interesting to you, there'll be a link in the description. It's quite a lengthy interview. Mm-hmm. But like I say, I'm going to just mention the Shemu side of things. So they ask you, Suzuki, may I ask your current projects? And he said, I'm still making games. I hope to have something to announce by the end of the year. So keep an eye out. So that's nothing new. Mm-hmm. But then they go on to ask him if he's designed something that he likes, which he then responded by saying that F355 Challenge, which is obviously a, dream, a Dreamcast game. I think it was in the arcades as well, actually. It was, I think. Most people remember it from the, the Dreamcast release. So he said that the F355 Challenge is the only game that is a direct reflection of what he likes. Most of the titles that he's taken on have just been solely to address particular needs or themes rather than what he likes. So he doesn't have any preference to regards to subject matter now or in the past. He's not been particular about genres or platforms. So once he decides what he wants to do, he works hard towards that goal. And that feeling has probably never changed. So for Gamer, based on that, they then say, so you most recently released Shenmue 3. So do you have any plans for the next one in the series? And he says he would like to if he gets the chance. So there's still an element of doubt there. Mm. But he does say that Shenmue 3 was made with the support of longtime fans. So 95% of the content was for them. And we really put all our effort into making it. Therefore, satisfaction was reasonably high amongst the core fan base, but I am aware that some aspects felt tedious to those who hadn't played the old Shemu games. Shemu is a game in which slight inconveniences are something to enjoy. So people who weren't used to user-friendly modern open-world game systems may have felt confused. That could be so people who are used to modern-friendly open-world systems actually, rather than weren't. Mm. Um, I might have to mention that to switch. She might have made a little typo there. Just noticed as I'm, I was reading that. But he's saying that if there is a next game, I would like to make it for new players as well as the core fans. I believe that the fans who have given their support until now will encourage me in trying various new things in order to welcome newcomers and create new Shemu fans. So that response, even though it started off with like, if he gets the chance, he'd like to do it, but he ends with... He hopes that the fan base will support him when he tries new things. So obviously it's still in his thoughts. It's still what he wants to do next. And when he does go about doing it, he's already got concepts and ideas that he must have he must have in his mind of things well, that he wants to try that he hopes he gets support for trying. Yeah, and, and that's fair enough, I think. I mean, we 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 yeah, we we've analyzed Shenmue 3, did a podcast on it and 
we know the shortcomings, we know the stuff they did very well. And I do think there will be an element of modernising it more for new people to make it less tedious, as he puts it. I'm, I'm going to be honest when I say this. It's still up in the air, judging by what he's saying there. Now, it's not saying it's not in pre-production or anything of the sort, because he was basically saying he'd still like to make Shenmue 3 in 2015, knowing full well they were going to launch Kickstarter that year. So, yeah, he could be calling our bluff around this for all we know. The thing I, that stands out for me is he's when he was asked about what his projects are, he's saying he's got something to announce. Mm. And then when he's asked about Shenmue, he's saying he would like to do it if he has the opportunity. Yeah, it, that, so it kind of sounds like whatever he's got to announce isn't Shenmue. Yeah, it, it does read that way and it does sound that way. But I would, and I've been saying this for a little while, that actually if you know, Wisenet could be working on something completely different from Shenmue. And yeah, they've got to keep the lights on somehow. What mm-hmm. I would sort of put an asterisk next to that is that studios, companies can work on more than one thing at the same time. Yeah, so they could still be working on Shenmue 4 in yeah. tandem. Yeah, exactly. They could be sat there doing the pre-production for a Shenmue 4 um, while working on another project because they've got to keep the teams together and keep things moving. So who who knows? I know there's people out there who are convinced Shenmue 4 is getting announced this year. I, w- I would urge a little bit of caution around that as a cautious Shenmue fan. I want to be surprised as much as any of us, and, and I'll be over the moon if they announce four this year. But it sounds like that we might see a different sort of take from WiseNet before Shenmue 4. But likewise as well, I think we've said this in a previous podcast, he's not going to want to show Shenmue 4. And I think he said this about the Kickstarter round three, that he obviously had to show a lot around three that he wouldn't have shown normally because it wasn't really ready. If I was them, I'd take that stance with four and be like, I will show it when it's good and ready. And it's got six to eight months until it till it releases. So you build that hype early and hit it there. Maybe announce the game and then say nothing. Don't show anything proper until it's ready. Yeah, spot on. Because, I mean, we've spoken about this before. They, they had a lot of negative press, basically, by showing stuff too early. So if he's working on stuff in the quiet, I think that's a better way of going about releasing yeah. games in the future. For, for WiseNet, anyway, I think it, it's more beneficial to them if they can show a game that's pretty much done and dusted in the public eye than getting more people poking fun at, you know, a half-arsed looking job when it's Mm. a few years away from being completed, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I will just quickly mention the last little bit there. So 4Gamer replied by saying, I have the impression that the fans of Shemu are very supportive. And Yusuzuki said that he's really thankful for them. Fans have told me that the Shemu I want to play is the Shemu that Yusuzuki wants to make. So there, if there is a next game, I would like to make one where people who are not familiar with Shemu will be able to experience the Shemu feeling without feeling stressed. So some nice little closing words from Yusuzuki there. Indeed. Moving on from that, I will quickly mention that obviously you can buy both the anime themes now. So you the can. opening and ending theme, we'll put links on how to buy them or stream them or whatever if you would like to do so. And Matt, briefly... We've had a little bit more progress with my anime list. Where are we at the moment? We have. Uh, we've hit a very big milestone here. Obviously, I keep banging on about everybody rating it every week on there um, as we go. But we have hit 10,000 people who now have Shenmue the animation on their list to watch, which is a big step. Um, it's a big number. It's doing very well on there. Just let's keep it going. Let's get to 11,000, 12,000, et cetera, and keep the momentum going. Alongside it, trending on Twitter every week, being on the front page of Crunchyroll all the time. 
and lots of positive press around this anime. I just think we need to keep pushing, keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Because we'll get, I, I'm convinced we, if this is a success, which it seems to be, we're definitely going to mm-hmm. get a season two at some point. I'm pretty sure we will. You've thought so, wouldn't you, man? But yeah. I, I'm hoping this, this leads to Shenmue 4. And we, yeah, we were lucky enough that we had a, a, a guy come into our stream tonight and said he hadn't played the games, but now wants to because of the anime. Well, if people are doing that and you're winding your fan base, get it on PlayStation Plus, for God's sake. All three games, free to go. You widen your fan base even more and you create a market. But we'll see. We'll see. But I'm 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 hopeful. Yeah, same here, mate. Moving on from that, let's talk a little bit about magazines now. Shemmy World, obviously, as at this stage, it's been funded. It's done and dusted. You've missed out if you're hearing this now and you haven't backed, <laughs> basically, because we're releasing this on the Friday. So I'm not 100% on what the total was, but I just want to thank everyone for giving about the business, backing the issue of the magazine there. We're going to have to wait maybe two to three weeks, depending on how quickly Kickstarter sends the money over to myself. And then I go ahead and you know purchase everything that we want to do. And then obviously that's got to arrive at my property and I'm going to hand pack it. Again. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be a long process. It's going to be a couple of months, but we'll try and get issue two of Shemmy World out to everyone as soon as viably possible. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to get stuck into that, actually, the uh, the packaging. Not, well, I say I'm excited. I'm excited now. When I'm doing it, I'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe how much <laughs> I've got uh, yeah. to do. But it's um, it's one of the perks, I suppose. And, um, yeah, speaking about magazines, let's move on a little bit to another magazine called Sega Powered. And issue three of this particular magazine has a beautiful Shemu cover that Matt's going to put on the screen for you right now. And it's also got loads of features. I don't know how many pages of Shemu material is inside this magazine, but just know that if you are going to pick this magazine up, it's going to be jam-packed with Shemu content. And that content has actually been designed and curated by myself and Matt, which is quite cool that we were quite um, pleased to have been asked as the Shemu experts, as it were, if we could contribute to this magazine. So there's going to be, um, I think Dean himself is actually re-reviewing the game. So you can expect like a modern day review in there. And then there's um, some cool features I don't want to spoil yet until he has actually mentioned them. But just be mindful that, um, yeah, this particular magazine is very much so a, a Shemu fan's dream. So keep an eye out on that. We'll tweet about it when it's ready or when you can pre-order it. You might even be able to pre-order it as we speak. I think they were planning on doing it towards the end of the month. So, yeah, keep an eye out on that. We've had an update from Big Wax, Matt. Yeah, this is a bit disappointing, actually, because um, not long ago they, they sent a message out going, pretty much ready to ship, confirm your addresses. Fantastic. At the moment, it's about a year ago, wasn't it? <laughs> wow, well, well, feels like it. Um, anyway, they came out and sent, uh, sent this message out to uh, to peak to buyers last week. And it goes, as you may have noticed, the delivery of the Shenmue box is taking more time than expected. Indeed, we have to wait for the boxes to arrive at our partner, Limited Run Games, who produces the box before sending them to our site so that everyone can receive them at the same time. They're still being shipped to our partner. This is why your boxes have not yet been delivered. Once again, we're sorry for the delay and we hope you had to ship your boxes as soon as possible. You will receive a confirmation email as soon as they are sent. Thank you for your patience. Now, the, I'm fine. I, I don't mind waiting, right? Um, and I've been quite lenient about all of it. And I spoke to Josh at Limited Run Games and he's a really nice bloke and, and all the rest of it. But I wish this had come from Limited Run Games. Just a bit of communication from them. I know it's bad news. I know people are going to be like, well, I want my stuff, blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah. But not communicating is making it worse. I think just an email, something just to go, we're sorry, it's delayed. This is why it's delayed. Um, we'll update you as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't mind I guess that. this is why Big Wax have taken the opportunity to, I mean, they're kind of passing the blame on to limited run by saying, you know, they are if anyone's waiting for Big Wax, it's like, it's kind of affecting their business as well, in a sense, because people have bought products yeah. thinking they're coming from Big Wax and they're not, they're coming from limited run to get to Big Wax and then, you know, and everyone's still waiting. And we understand like there was um, an issue with the original prints that they did was there. Yeah, there was, some, yeah. Some manufacturing error or something. And we, we also know how difficult it is to get vinyl at the moment, and you're, especially when you're expecting to get 11 vinyls per box. That's a lot of vinyl. So yeah. we understand the delays, and Shemu fans, of course, are always okay with delays and waiting around and stuff. But, yeah, I think, like you say, communication with everything, every project, everything is key. I just think it's just a bit... Even if it's bad news. Yeah, just a bit of we're sorry. We know it's taking longer than it should do. Yeah, we're working on it. I, I, I don't mind that. I can take that. Um, but I think what people are upset about is obviously you're paying your money up front mm. and it's been a long, long time since we've I'm had a lot this of money stuff. actually, but put it this way, I, I get where people are coming from. I'm not the type of person who's gonna jump up and down and shout about on social media about it. I just I, yeah. you know, it is what it well, is. The thing is, Matt, we know we're gonna get it at some point. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter when it comes essentially. You know, you trust Big Wax, you trust limited run games to deliver they've never not delivered so when you get it it's going to be a quality product it's just been ongoing and ongoing and it's still ongoing and we still don't really have a confirmed release date or a confirmed date of stuff actually happening it's going to be a surprise and they're going to be probably like oh all of a sudden oh we're shipping this product now and it's gonna be oh okay yeah and I'm, i'm i'm keen to get this stuff i'm as keen as anybody to get this stuff i i just i can see i can understand people being a bit aggrieved about it now um but i will also caveat that with there's no need to be rude and asshole about it right there really isn't i'm peed you're pissed off about it but we get on with it and treat you treat them with some sort of respect at least i mean people who work on customer service side of stuff um who are going to be bearing the brunt of this like the complaints and things like that having worked in customer service for a long time before i sort of hit my career I can I can see I can sympathize put it that way with them so by all means voice voice your discontent and and ask those questions but please just have, you know, be respectful people because I have seen mm. some quite horrendously worded things on social media and it's not needed no exactly be considerate and we'll get the products eventually and they'll be great products as well you've got nothing yeah they'll be great they'll be awesome when they get get here yeah so next up we've got a small hot fix for superpass on android we had a couple of reports from people who were receiving crashes in the character information area i think so go look for that that should hopefully fix your problems that was just an isolated android instant only for like two people so i don't know if that was like more widespread than that or not, we don't really know, but <laughs> Switch has made a fix, so go download it. Matt, you've interviewed a couple of people since the last episode, so obviously we were talking about Adam Scipione last episode. In between that and now, there's already been an interview, and you've interviewed someone else that is lined up for the very near future. So if you want to talk about both of those just quickly. Yeah, so uh, yesterday, if we were recording this on Sunday night, uh, we released, or I released the interview with Guizang's English voice actor, Jeremy G, 
We talk about the recording, his career, etc. Jeremy was awesome to get on the show. Thoroughly enjoyed having him on. Um, so that's out there now. So make sure you go and listen. So that's about half an hour worth. Um, good sort of thing to sort of bob along to as you walk into work or something. Mm-hmm. And the next one that will be coming out, I haven't got a defined time yet. Um, although I finished editing the audio this afternoon, I interviewed James Marler, who is the English voiceover for Goro. And again, that was a really fun interview to interview interview James as Goro and talk through some of his favourite scenes, um, some of the research that he did into the character and sort of really wanting to nail that down. So that will be coming in the, in the coming weeks. Yeah, that's one that I haven't actually listened to personally yet. I think you you only sent over the link to me today, so yeah, today get around to that. I'm looking forward to that one. So check those out, guys. And I guess that's it for the news. I mean, we've got Shemu content coming out of every orifice at the moment. It seems across the spectrum. You know, Shemu community content from the likes of Phantom Riverstone we mentioned here. We've got Shemu Forever constantly throwing out loads of stuff on Twitter and all sorts of social media platforms. I think he's everywhere. You've got Shemu Master releasing articles and stuff like that these days. Alfonso from Sega Saturno. I think he's got his own Spanish featured podcast talking about Shemu. I, I don't know what he talks about, actually, because I haven't actually tuned into that all being in Spanish. But mm. if uh, you can speak Spanish, yeah, go check, check that out. Let me know how it is. Um, AM2 podcast guys, they're doing one per episode at the moment as well. Always a great listen. Um, Sega Bits are doing, I think that's more over on YouTube. They're doing like an after show for yeah. each of the anime episodes. Mega Visions are doing some series roundups as well. I think they've just done one on episode five and six. So they're a little bit behind, but hopefully they'll catch up. But really great listens. And I think actually, was it that one? I think I saw a Scribe mention. I haven't heard it yet, but they've got the voice actor of the Street Performer guy. Oh, yes, I did see that. I can't remember his name, but I did see that interview's kicking around. Yeah, so, yeah, if you're interested in that, go check that one out. And obviously, we've got the features and magazines and books like Lost and Cult's Lock-On Journals. There's a Shemu article that I wrote in that one that you can go pre-order right now. Got the Sega Power magazine I just mentioned, and there's just loads and loads more than I, you know. We're not trying to forget anyone. There's just so much happening right now, so just embrace it. Because after these next five episodes, we might have a little bit of a lull. Obviously, we've got the next Shemu Day tweet-a-thon coming at you. When you actually listen to this particular episode of the podcast, it's going to be this coming Monday, just a few short days away. Just so much happening, mate. And, you know, later on the year, we're planning to stream a few gaming events, possibly this year, man. Yeah. Just on the chance Shemu 4 appears, fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll do Gamescom. We'll do any of the sort of Sony events that are popping up here or there. Um, and it's good fun actually to get a crowd in, chat games, and and see what's really it comes out. I mean, I lo- I had a quite a good reaction to the, when they announced Knights of the Old Republic actually. So if you want to see a reaction to non Shenmue games as well, yeah, come along. It's good fun. Good um, fun. Yeah, good fun. Definitely. So with that being said, let's wrap up the show with a couple of forum posts from people over on the Shenmue Dojo forums, of course, and what they thought about the previous episode, episode seven, future. So first off, we have Sheephead, who says, another great episode. Crazy that we've had two episodes now pretty much dedicated to a single wood each. I, I will mention, just I'm thinking about it now, I was going to mention that. So I don't know if you noticed in the song, Matt, in the lyrics, I used all three variants of yes, the wood. Yes, you do. I, I did, did notice that. Really is, that's what I say, wood. What do you mm. say? Do you say wood or wood? I say wood. 
you say wood, okay. So I've always said wudu. I don't know why, whether they say that in Shemu 2, possibly, the English dub, what they were saying wudu. Okay. Or in the English dub, wuda. Wuda. So I mentioned wuda as well from the anime, of course, and obviously wood is, I think, how most people probably read the word. Yeah. I don't I, know I, how I, to say I, it, though. I took it literally like that, but it doesn't matter. No, no, no. Um, and he, uh, Sheep also says, I wonder if they will keep this pace for the remaining two woods, and then it ramps back up for the finale. So the final scene of the episode, paired with that grand music, it really managed to carry a lot of emotion for some reason. Really caught him off guard, but he loved it. He cannot wait to hear the full version of that track when the OST releases. Which track is he on about there? Is he on about the, um, from that scene? About the, the the wood or something. Right at the end of, of the um episode, I can't I, do, I can't hear mm. it in my head now. I'd have to go and watch it again to hear the music. But I mean, the soundtrack in this anime is ridiculous anyway. So yeah, 100%. give me an OST. Give it now. Right. We then move on to Terry Tasoi. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, the theme future is certainly embedded well in this episode. The future that Rio needs to learn all for wood, which is an sem- essential element of Shenmue Two. The future that Rio and Ren are going on an adventure together for the rest of Shenmue 2, 3, and even 4, if we get the game. <laughs> uh, I like the way how this episode enhances the story's on Quan. Completely agree. Yep. And it looks like uh, Joy is playing a bigger role in the anime as Nozomi did, guiding Rio to find the Wood G. Uh, I'm looking forward to finding uh, forward to more interaction between Rio and Joy. P.S. There's great attention to detail by the anime team again. The name um, of the newspaper and the beer look very similar to the popular ones in the 1980s in Hong Kong. Ooh. Well played. Don't know about the newspaper, but yeah, the beer, San mm. Miguel. <laughs> yeah. I was getting made fun of for the pronunciation of Miguel. <laughs> ah. San Miguel, but whatever. I just drink the stuff. I don't read the, the labels. <laughs> beer, actually. I quite like it. Yeah, I quite like it, actually. Uh, which leads us into Hiki, who says, I saw the episode again. So I, th- I think she actually, she did a quite a lengthy post which i didn't want to read out the whole thing so go over to the forums and check that one out but she did leave a second post after watching the episode again and she says that she's so emotional the last scenes about zhou shan juan talking with rio about zhong kwan ba and the wu ji the soundtrack in the scene is so sweet beautiful and emotional in the last scene with shuing the soundtrack is beautiful as well it would be nice a Shenmue soundtrack release, which I think we'll get. I definitely think we'll get that. To me, every time Rio learns important things about the martial arts, the story progresses a lot as well. Like I said in my previous post, character development for Zong Quan, Ba and Rio in this episode, the four we do is one of my favourite things about Shenmue 2, and the anime team is doing a wonderful job in relation to this. Beautiful. Okay, so we then come on to Amber G. Weren't they, and he says, weren't those conversations we Ren, Joy... Fang Mei and Zhuang a gift. Yes, absolutely. I'm almost certain we never see Fang Mei and Zhuang directly interact in the game. I think you're right, actually. Um, so much was conveyed about the relationship in less than a minute. A sense of mutual respect, but also familiarity. Fang Mei's line, I sensed your room would need cleaning. I read as an earnest poke at Zhuang's untidiness <laughs> and adds that delightful cheekiness to Fang Mei's character, which we didn't see so much of in the game. Teasing Ewing may be, may only be a freedom that Fang Mei enjoys. Yeah, very true. Plus a gentle teasing of Rio's insufficient kung fu, serious laugh out loud, dude, you got your ass handed to you. <laughs> I like that um, energy from this kid. Han Hui scolding her for butting into Rio and Ewing's business, but then later seeing eavesdrop together outside Ewing's room was delightful. 
Love that we get to see this almost stern parent pesky child dynamic between Han Hui and Fang Mei. I love the short flashbacks of Zimming. They are enough to capture how haunted Ewing is. That's a good mm, word, actually. Haunted, yeah. Haunted, um, creeping up on her and, and the audience when she is reading, but they didn't give too much away, so they were immediately compelling, given that it's one of the most compelling aspects of the game, and it's you know one of the biggest aspects we don't know about yet. Mm, true. Um, I'm glad the first steps did it justice. Joy and Ren, their banter in this episode basically confirms for me they must have boned at some point, right? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> their, their prior relationship is left to the imagination in the game. Friends, frenemies, exes, whatever they are, I love to see the back and forth. I feel like Ren is introduced to us before he meets Rio here. The scene with Joy establishes Ren as a bit of a jerk with a, a slightly extra personality. Um, for example, throwing the knife into the road before Joy, and they love that. Also, he knows he has status and is strategic, implied by one running to him and blabbing about Rio. His subsequent interest in Rio and Joy's willingness to help out Ren with finding Rio. Getting a flavour of Ren's personality prior to meeting Rio only adds to the anticipation of the moment when the two heavyweights, Rio and Ren, finally meet. Plus, it does flip the formula of Rio hears about this person, Rio tries to find said person, said person is finally revealed, which is a structural freedom that anime can enjoy, as it already used effectively with Shenhua. I still want to see Ren step out the shadows and try to knife Rio, though. That reveal still gives me goosebumps each time. Yeah, and that's kind of what you're saying. You hope that maybe we see the barber scene and then Ren kind of does the same sort of thing with his knife and, mm. you know, may the gods be with him. <laughs> but yeah, thanks very much, everyone, for your comments over on the forums. We've only got time to read out four today, but great comments all the same. Go over and leave some more on the latest episode and perhaps we'll read them out on the show this time next week. And once again, for another week, that is a wrap. So thanks, everyone, for your ongoing support. Thanks for sticking around until the end of the show to even hear these messages. We do really appreciate everything that you guys do. kind of makes these doing these shows, all the streams and all the content that the dojo produces all worth it. We're going to end the show with one of my favourite pieces of music. Always gets me into a bit of a hyped mood. It's Lionheart. Take care, everyone. Take care and goodbye.
Ah, oh, look at the time. 